You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. You know when you're on your computer and you have like 50 different tabs open on your internet browser? I feel like a lot of women and a lot of people go through life with 257 tabs open in their brain at all times. And it takes very singular moments to shut down those tabs so that you can focus and be present and be aware of just this moment, not what just happened, not yesterday, not in your childhood, not tomorrow, not later in life. It's just this moment right here. It's this drift. It's this cast. It's this take. When I first started fly fishing, it's one of the first places I went and it has since become kind of like my getaway. And it's the moment that the water seeps into my wading boots that I can just feel uh, kind of almost like this rebirth, like this this washing over. And I don't really, I don't really normally talk like that, but it's just sort of like this cleansing moment. And, and fly fishing has, has brought that to me and in my life. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Hey everyone, this is Nate from theflycrate.com. I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the podcast and want to let you know about our new membership option called the Mix and Match subscription. This is for people who don't want us to hand curate a selection of flies for you, but you would rather choose 100% of what you receive each and every month. For $19.95 a month, you will receive $30 of the Fly Crate store credit. So you're getting for $19.95, 30 bucks to spend on our site, and you will be able to choose 100% of what you want and each and every month you'll receive those flies or it will, you know, it will roll over in a crew. So if you don't spend that money, that $30 credit, it just keeps building up. You rack up the credit and about, you know, if you don't spend the 30 bucks for three months, now you have $90 of store credit that you can just use on a one-time purchase or however you want to do it on your purchase whenever you need it. But there's a great way to pick exactly what you want and save money on the fly crate without having to worry about the commitment. All right, so this is the Mix and Match membership. Just go to our website, theflycrate.com, and navigate to our homepage, and you'll see a, a selection there that says $30 Fly Crate credit. Just select that option and navigate through, and you know, learn a lot more there. We have all your answers, all your questions answered, and you'll be able to figure out whether or not this is a good membership for you. But it's a great way to save money if you are going to spend money on the Fly Crate, anyways. And you just wanted to, you know, prepay in advance and save some extra cash and dough on the side because it's your hard-earned money and this gives you more for more for your buck. So anyway, go to theflycrate.com and find the icon with the $30 store credit. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. This time around, we want to welcome to the podcast, Elena Joy Thurston and Kristen Kyle. Ladies, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks, Mark, for having us. We're super excited. So glad to be here. Well, you know what? Whenever I hear from anybody that's avid about fly fishing and has a great story to tell, I'm I'm always, always down for that. And I know you both of you have some incredible stories. We're going to talk about how you came to discover fly fishing, what it brings to your life. And uh, Elena, I'd like to start with you, if you don't mind. 
How did you come to discover fly fishing? Walk us through that journey a little bit. Sure. Um, so as I kind I talk about it a little bit in my TED talk, um, I was living life. I was married and had four kids and doing my very suburban mom, soccer mom thing. And um, my youngest went off to school and I started just realizing I didn't really recognize myself anymore. And I think that's fairly typical of a lot of people. And so, but I didn't deal with it very well. Instead of trying to get to know myself better, I just tried to transform into something else. And so I lost myself in running. I lost myself in weightlifting. There were still too many hours of the day uh, where I just, I didn't recognize my thoughts, quite frankly. And so I wanted to get a new hobby. And at the time I was working with a friend of mine, he was a fly fisher and I had been a portrait photographer for the last 10 years. And he was telling me about how he would go on these trips and spend all this money and it's catch and release. And so really the only thing you have to take home are your pictures. So he wanted help, like tutorials and help. How do I use my cell phone camera the best to get the best possible pictures on these trips? And in exchange for giving him those tips, he was also a long distance runner and he was helping me with my running. Hmm. Um, so the more photography I did, the more I realized I really wanted to understand the sport better. And cause I found it fascinating from a photography perspective, you've got beautiful light and you've got water and you have this line, right? The fly line. And to be able to capture it in that split second with the perfect loop, like it just, it was all these elements of magic that I loved putting together in photography. So that was drawing me in. And then the more I got to know it, the more I was like, no, I want to try this. And and I told myself it was just so I could do better at the photography. But the more I tried it, the more I really liked it. So then I found a fly fishing club and went to my first fly fishing club meeting. Mm-hmm. And there was... I say I walk in and there's 150 men in the room and maybe six women. And it was still like the most, it was the most fun thing. I was like sitting in the audience, listening to a guide give his spiel and everyone's talking fish. Everyone's talking technique and equipment and where did you go and what were the conditions like? And I was like, I found my people. (laughs) (laughs) This is really fun. I really like this. And then that night I met Kristen and a few days later I roped her into taking me fishing <laughs> and it's kind of all, all good from there. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how I found it. Good stuff. Kristen, what about yourself? How did you come to discover fly fishing? Was, was it at the same meeting or is it something you'd been vested in for, for a long time? Well, oh yeah, my story isn't is nearly as exciting as Elena's, but no, I, I had been, been involved with fly fishing for about five years at that point. Um, my first foray, I was able to end up in Montana in, in the weirdest of circumstances. And so my first fish was a nice 18 inch rainbow out the Missouri river. And, uh, you know, that's so weird for a kid from Arizona who, you know, we were outdoorsy family, but we really didn't fish because it's kind of a misnomer about Arizona that, that there's no water here. And so I took that experience. I was, you know, in the in the river, I'd never waited a day in my life. I was there in borrowed waders and like size 12 boots. And it, you know, it was just this <laughs> conglomeration of, of silliness, but um, 
like I said, hooking that first fish. And I, I was essentially spoiled. And I think a lot of people get that from Montana in general. Um, but I had to kind of like take that memory and then go back to Arizona. So I, I put that thought away for a while, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I, about three years later, I decided I would just kind of go out to Cabela's and I know whatever big box stores. And I kind of just started to peruse the fly section and kind of get to know some of the people there. And I'm also a total tight ass with money. So I waited and waited and waited until a combo went really, really cheap. And from there, I pretty much taught myself for about a year. And then I, I was able to discover the club that, that Elena was talking about. And then again, from there, it was a lot of, of self, self-taught techniques and things like that. And then I always get to this point and and feel really bad, you know, saying self-talk. I think that implies that no one ever helped me along on the journey. And it's, it's really such, you know, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. And once I got into the club, I think it's so weird though. I think a lot of the clubs get such a bad rap because, um, a lot of people assume, oh, these are just old stodgy guys. And, and to an extent they are, but they are some of the most knowledgeable and giving people I've ever met. So they really helped accelerate that learning curve for me. So within two years, I was chasing, you know, any kind of fish you could think of, you know, within Arizona. I was going after even just like, they're not lowly, but the suckers, the carp, I was going after everything within a very short amount of time. So that's kind of how I rolled around into it. And I ended up, you know, starting to teach a lot of other women too. So that ended up being really cool. But, I'm just, yeah. I'm just curious. So if, if I'm getting sure. into fly fishing, I'm probably not going to be in the middle of a desert. No, no, <laughs> no offense. And I know there's some great fly fishing in, in Arizona, but it sounds to me like you guys were doing a lot of your fishing in some pretty, you know, some pretty famous areas, regions for, for fly fishing and, and, and you're in Scottsdale. Talk, talk to us about that. What's the fly fishing like in your neck of the woods? I mean, it, I'm, I'm going to lie. I'm going to say it's terrible. Don't come here, Mark. What do you, <laughs> you just, you just put it out there. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we've, we've been around, you know, around the States a few times and I still really have a soft spot, obviously for my home state. I think Elena would, would say the same. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it really is all about how much work you want to put in. And even to that extent, like we haven't put in, you know, even half the work as some of some of the other people. There's there's people catching monster fish here um, that we just haven't gotten to yet. We know they're here. There's 20, 30 inch browns here in Arizona. You just got to be willing to work for it. So the small stream game here is fantastic. I mean, talk about tiny dries and just voracious fish. Arizona is totally the place. You can go up to... Um, kind of any any high mountain area it's only about two hours outside of the main city and you can be stream hopping all day you can hit five different streams and just just have a great time that's awesome i, I want to take a couple minutes just to, to to get to know the both of you a little bit before we dig a little deeper i always like to ask some kind of surface questions and get a feel for your area <laughs> right yeah like you know warm us up it's cool i get it okay <laughs> elena you first uh, are we talking uh, Cardinals, Coyotes, Sun, D-backs? Who, who do you follow, sports-wise? <laughs> so I'm not a huge NFL fan. I I really enjoy college football, and I followed that for a long time. Yeah. Um, and now, maybe because I'm with Kristen, I really follow college basketball. So okay. 
Yeah, that's been that's been what I enjoyed the most. Kristen, what what about yourself? Who do you follow? Yeah, I'm I'm not much of a, a professional sports. I don't get me wrong. I love going to the games and all that, but um, I'm predominantly a a college college sports person. Love the NCAA. Obviously, I'm really heartbroken about March Madness right now, but obviously it's it's needed. Um, I, I was actually a college athlete, a mediocre uh, basketball player myself. Um, so I, I just kind of have have more. I'm more drawn to that just because there's a level of heart that is so different than the NBA, right? Yeah. Like these kids aren't getting paid. I mean, if you want to go as far as fine, they're getting paid. They're they're getting their schooling, but it's it's really a whole nother job, and it's it's really cool to have that perspective that, that I was able to live that perspective as well. So cool. I'm I'm all about I'm a I'm gonna go out. On the line, I'm going to say I'm a diehard Wildcats fan, and I'm living up here in ASU Sun Devil territory, but I'm all about my U of A Wildcats. Go Cats. Awesome. <laughs> favorite favorite tunes to listen to on the way to the water. Elena, let's start with you. Uh, what do you like to listen to music-wise? Oh, wow. So, like, I'm thinking about driving down dirt roads and being surrounded by pine trees and searching for the best spot to hit the river. For me, that's all you two right there. Nice. Like to me, that's that's <laughs> the epic Joshua Tree and Actung Baby, and yeah, that's good stuff right there. Kristen, what about you? Uh, as much as I love music, I really enjoy just windows down, even just hearing those rocks ting off the back of my car. Just <laughs> I like to hear the nature, and I like to hear the sound of the wind and the smell, uh, but. Push comes to shove. I'm a I'm a big Mumford and Sons fan, so mm-hmm. any anything with that a uh, banjo and a uh, mandolin, I'm good. <laughs> Favorite place to talk fly fishing? Is there a coffee shop in in and around Phoenix, Scottsdale area you like to go to? A fly shop, a watering hole? Where do you get your fix on, on fly fishing? Oh, that and that is probably where. I have the biggest lack of my life is there is one fly shop in the entire Phoenix area and it is not the greatest. Um, so I have gone to the Tucson one. It's like an hour and a half South of here and they were so kind and so fun. We actually travel so much. My day job is I'm a speaker at live events. And so wherever we go, we find a fly shop to stop in at. Even if we don't have time to fish, we're going to go to that fly store. We're going to buy some gear. We're going to talk shop with the guys. Like that's kind of a priority for us when we're traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Elena, she brought up the one in Tucson, Dry Creek Outfitters. That guy in there, the guys that work there were, were so phenomenal. And I think I'm one of the weird fly fishing people is I really like to hear other people's stories. <laughs> I think I need to work in a fly shop because I know that that's like what they get 24 seven. But, um, as much as I like to talk about like my fishing exploits or whatever, I really love to hear what other people have to say. So I haven't been as active in the club in the past, just life and job kind of took over. But, um, I loved knowing at least once a month, usually more often than that, cause they like to drink. We'd be we'd be at the bar, <laughs> and we would we would be just shooting the breeze. And so yeah, I think it's just it's it sucks because it is kind of hard to find it necessarily in person, right? Like Instagram, you guys, you know, you can talk to your blue in the face. You just it, but it's not as personal. I don't, I don't feel yeah. as as sitting down with somebody and just really feeding off each other's body language and just vibe about fly fishing in general. It's 
it's just such a wholly different experience. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's why that's why I love going in fly shops for sure. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, there's just that energy. Uh, you know, even if even if the guy behind the counter is having a bad day, like just toss him a beer and you know just say like, here's one on me, and just you know like hang out, and they just are so much more amenable, you know. One fly pattern that you cannot live without. <laughs> so Kristen used to make she ties the flies. I do not. I I actually don't see very well, so it's actually really hard for me to do a lot of the knots and such. Um, but she used to tie this awesome fly. It was the yellow foam one that I caught that brown with up in Greer. Oh, uh, so Ben Smith of AZ Wanderings, he, he has this pattern called the mini hopper. And so, yeah, that's what we, there's, you're, in Arizona, if you don't have those in your box, you're missing out. So definitely the AZ mini hopper for sure. Yeah. They're I need- so easy to tie. And I need high visibility, and so that yellow was perfect for me. Orange, actually, yeah. Oh, was it orange? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I would say that's, like, one of my favorites. But I love a good streamer. I love a good bugger. I love a good <laughs> nymph. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson that you have learned on your fly fishing journey? <laughs> Whoa. Go. Uh, well, why do I have to go first? <laughs> I am the least evolved one. <laughs> uh, biggest I guess lesson. I mean, oh geez. A lot of <laughs> a lot of times people people talk about the patience it takes. They they'll talk about, you know, there's so many different ways you can come at our sport. Like if if you had, to, I guess what I'm asking is if there's one takeaway from your time spent fly fishing, what would it be if you could put it in in a bottle? Oh, okay. Uh, don't give up. So perseverance, and that obviously is almost like a sister word to to patience. Uh, but definitely perseverance because just because you go out one day and you don't catch a fish doesn't mean it's not going to happen the next day. And I learned that the hard way. I was on a small stream up and it was when I had kind of first started and hadn't really learned there's like different size, like physical, like nine foot six versus a seven foot six rod. I hadn't figured that out yet. And I had seen a bunch of people, you know, fishing this place and (laughs) I went there with my big old nine foot six. I was caught up in every you know, tree, twig, anything, tuft of grass that was like one blade <laughs> wide. I would ca- I was caught up on everything and it broke me. I was literally like sobbing. It's the most girliest, most girly thing I've ever done is just <laughs> sob on the side of this river. Like, why can't I figure this out? And then I did more research, right? Like I was such a voracious reader. Um, I didn't have internet at the time. So I would go to our local public library, which we're in a really, really big city. So I was very fortunate that we had just this, a huge array of books on fly fishing available. And I read and read and read. So I persevered and like, I took that as a challenge that every other people can do this. I can do this as well. And I was able to go back out and, and understand a, I needed a smaller rod B I needed to learn how to read the river better. And that, that next time up, I caught like three little Browns right off the bat and I was just ecstatic. So it's, it's also that has also played into I've I've taught a lot of people, both kids, women, men, is to kind of really help them understand that there is a part and there is a place where you're actually gonna get to a point where you're gonna catch fish almost too easily, right? I think I'm sure everyone here has probably talked about the evolution of a fly fisher, right? You wanna catch just a fish mm-hmm. and then as many fish and then the size fish, right? So it's it's harboring those people as well through that experience 
to let them know that, that you're going to achieve this. Like, it's okay. So, yeah. I want you to fill in the blanks for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? Working. <laughs> <laughs> Dreaming about fly fishing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a public speaker, so I'm traveling and speaking and doing podcast interviews like this. And well, this is our first fly fishing podcast interview, which is amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And then we also have four kids. So that's kind of busy. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) I I get that 100%. What's the best job you've ever had in your life? Are you doing it now or was it something you've done in, in the past? I'm doing my best job ever right now. I actually have my bachelor's degree in theater and I, it took years for me to realize I'm a horrible actress <laughs> because you can see every thought that I'm thinking. So if I thought the script was crap or if I thought the director was a jerk, like you see it on my face. I'm very expressive and I'm very, I can't lie very well. <laughs> so then now as I'm embracing public speaking, not only am I serving people, helping people, expanding worlds, but I am on stage, which I'm good at, and I'm not having to act. I can just engage and authentically be with people. And that's absolutely incredible. That's well. So I feel like I'm living my best career right now. <laughs> that's well put. Yeah, I, what about you, Kristen? Not. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm working the corporate sector. Um, definitely not. Definitely not my dream job, but I'm taking steps right now to to, to get out of that. Um, so I, I will I will say that I have not worked my dream job yet, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm definitely you know, very positive for the future. So are you are you hiring, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> you need yeah, an editing you're, assistant. You're hired. <laughs> yes. You know what? That's an honest that's an honest answer I, because it's amazing how often it comes up that yes, I'm doing my dream job, but the reality is a lot of us aren't. We kind of I think that's a it's a work in progress all your life. But I want to kind of switch yeah. gears a little bit and uh, put the waters in the uh, in the rearview mirror for a second. And Elena, I'd like to start with you because I know you've got quite a story as far as you're you're doing your speaking engagements, uh, organizational trainer. I know you're big into the mindfulness. I really enjoyed your TEDx talk uh, in Colorado Springs. Maybe tell dial us in on your story a little bit more if you don't mind. Sure. So. I was a devout member of a very conservative Christian faith and raising my family that way and realizing, not realizing, I should say, I was living with a huge amount of anxiety and depression and thinking that everyone is that way. Like every mom white knuckles her way through every day. And every wife doesn't actually want to sit on the couch next to her husband and cuddle. And I just kept giving all this justification for why my life was normal. It's got to be normal. It has to be normal because I am going through a checklist and I'm checking the boxes and I have a place in heaven and that's what I'm working towards. And, and nothing is going to stand in the way of that. Um, And then my mental health started to suffer a little bit, and then it started to suffer a lot. And then I realized, oh, I'm really, really attracted to women, and that's why I kind of hate my life. And I wasn't really willing to accept that reality in the beginning, and so I was working with my religious leader, and 
between him and my husband and I, we decided, okay, we're going to try to fix this. This needs to be fixed so that Elena can stay with her family. And so Elena can be in heaven with her family. And so I went to what I didn't realize at the time, but it is a conversion therapy or also called reparative therapy. And it's any quote unquote therapy whose goal is to suppress the same sex attraction and result in heteronormative attraction. And so basically you walk into a quote unquote therapist's office and they say, yes, we can fix you. If you pay us enough money, right, we'll, we'll be able to fix this, um, which is exactly what my therapist said to me. And unfortunately, I did not know at the time that there is a 57% suicide rate that goes along with conversion therapy. So I ended up at that point and I am, I spend every day grateful that I am still here on this earth. And luckily I got help and I got a real therapist and a real psychiatrist who could give me real drugs (laughs) and could tell me, okay, actually conversion therapy is not approved by the APA. No licensed psychologist or psychiatrist ever performs conversion therapy because the suicide rate is so high. There's no way to be trained in it. It's not healthy. And and of course you ended up suicidal because that is what happens in this type of therapy. So that was a huge mind opening experience. And through it and through a lot of mindfulness techniques and self-growth techniques. Basically, I got to know myself for the first time since I was a kid. And I was able to realize, no, there's nothing wrong with me. In fact, everything is kind of amazing. And it brings me so much happiness. And who says I'm not going to get to heaven? You know, like my whole paradigm shifted massively in a very short amount of time. And then I was able to realize I'm not being a very good mom for my kids right now. I really didn't like, I realized, like, I finally woke up and realized I'm not modeling a healthy, functional relationship for my kids. And I really don't want my boys, who are the oldest, you know, they're late teens. The oldest one is a a senior in high school. And I thought, man, in five years, he could be married with kids of his own. And here I've been modeling for him a very anxious, a very dysfunctional relationship between man and wife. And that's not okay. I don't want him to go through that. And I don't want his partner to go through that. So that was the impetus for me to realize, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this and I'm, I'm going to file for divorce and I'm going to become the mom and the person that I've always wanted to be. So yeah, fly fishing was kind of scattered all through that. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, I mean, that's, I feel a little bit naive in thinking that we can fit this story into a a one hour (laughs) podcast. It's like, walk us through your entire life and how you got to where you're at. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. but you know, I kudos to both of you though, because you're living your best life. And for me, you can't go wrong when you're doing that. So true. Talk about fly fishing and what that brings to both your lives. Like, so when you're spending your time on the water, what, what do you get out of that? For me, The hugest part of it is that I think for a lot of people and a lot of women, actually, you know, when you're on your computer and you have like 50 different tabs open on your internet browser, (laughs) 
I feel like a lot of women and a lot of people go through life with 257 tabs open in their brain at all times. And it takes very singular moments to shut down those tabs so that you can focus and be present and be aware of just this moment, not what just happened, not yesterday, not in your childhood, not tomorrow, not later in life. It's just this moment right here. It's this drift. It's this cast. It's this take. You know what I mean? So for me, that was that was actually really huge for my mental health. Um, I was distracting myself with a lot of things. And to be able to close those tabs and come back to this moment right here, how am I actually feeling? What am I actually thinking right now? That was huge for me. That was pivotal, I think. Mm-hmm. But you? Um, I, I found fly fishing in a very, we'll say difficult time in my life. I came to it in a, in a dark place. And, uh, there's a very specific river, uh, here in Arizona or the, I guess the place, sorry, it's the Colorado river, but, um, Lee's ferry. If I don't know if you've ever fished it, we're going to have you out Mark and we'll take you there. But, um, you're literally fishing in the grand Canyon and you realize how, and it's so trite, how insignificant you really are, but, but in a humbling way, not, not to discount any of your emotions or where you feel you fit in life. And when I had first started fly fishing, it's one of the first places I went and it has since become kind of like my getaway. And it's the moment that the water seeps into my wading boots that I can just feel uh, kind of almost like this rebirth, like this, this washing over. And then I don't really, I don't really normally talk like that, but it's just sort of like this cleansing moment. And, and fly fishing has, has brought that to me and in my life. And then further to be able to do it with your partner and watch their skills grow and watch them get into fish and watch them learn. Cause teaching is a huge part of my general life. It's something that I really enjoy, like getting people to those aha moments and to, to have your partner have those too, and to, to watch them and just see the excitement on their faces. I think it's just, it's just literally the best feeling. Hmm. You said a couple things there that, that really stuck with me. And that was, you know, you kind of get in the zone and I know this happens in a lot of high level athletics where, you know, you're not, you're not seeing, you're seeing everything, but you're see, you're focused. And that mindful, that mindfulness you're talking about, like, yes. yeah, yep. Yeah. It's not what's about to happen in like, you're obviously, and I think that's the best, funniest part about fly fishing too, is the second that you let your thoughts stray, <laughs> that you let them go back to the place that you were theoretically hoping to escape that's when you get a bite and you get hit and you're like, okay, that's yeah. fine. That's cool. School, school. You give me the one. All right. That's fine. And you, you just jump right back in it and you're like, all right, I know what I'm out here to actually do. That's like when you got you all just, those windows open that you were talking about and, yes, and, exactly. and you're changing your fly every three minutes. <laughs> and they're slurping and just, what, why, why won't they take it? Yeah, I like it. That's, that's good stuff. Um, Elena, talk about what, what mindfulness brings in your, in your day-to-day uh, business with speaking or, you know, being an organizational trainer and, and the mindfulness, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it, it carries through into your fly fishing life as well. Absolutely. 
Yes. Um, so I define mindfulness as the intentional ability to observe our thoughts and actions without judgment. And that last part is kind of key in there. How do we truly let go of self-judgment? How do we truly let go of judgment of others? How do we let go of the judgment of my life was supposed to look like this? Or my day was supposed to go like this? Hmm. Or I should be accomplishing this today? All of that is at the root of it is judgment. And so mindfulness is an incredible technique to identify the judgment and release it. And I think that that plays into definitely my public speaking, but you mentioned the organizational training. Part of what I do is for companies that are trying to figure out their inclusivity and diversity issues, I'm able to introduce concepts of you might have, without being aware of it, you might be doing things, saying things, giving off an energy um, of, of a way to shut people down that you're not even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky in that, I mean, I lived a straight life for decades and decades. And so I get those people. I was that person. I know how we frame it. I know how we look at the world. I know what the heterosexual norms are. And then to now be on this other side of life and realize, wow, people that I love and respect and that I know they love and respect me, wow, they use vocabulary that does not work. (laughs) That's actually not how we talk about people. (laughs) So that's been really amazing because when you approach it from the concept of mindfulness as you exercise that ability to one, observe, and two, release judgment, really your perspective on life changes a lot. Um, And I think fishing was huge for that for me because I expect a lot of myself. I expected a lot of myself, I should say. You know, I was running marathons and I was doing weightlifting and I was high demand. I expected a lot from myself, from my family, from my peers. And so when I got into fly fishing and I just wasn't that good, (laughs) that was really good for me to work through and to just suck at something for a while. And even now, I mean, one in three trips that we go on, I struggle the most handling my self-judgment when I am fly fishing. Hmm. And that really affects our trip. And so it has, it is every time we go, it's a learning experience for me of, wow, Lena, that really triggered you in a big way. And and why is that? Like, what does that relate back to? And why are you having this expectation of yourself? Can you just be with the fact that you don't know how to cast in these conditions without beating yourself up? Right. It is one of the few places in my life that I still do that. And so I really appreciate that I have those opportunities to to fix it, well, it to learn it. It is a very humbling sport or pastime yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Kristen, maybe you can talk about fly fishing and how it, you never stop learning. And, and as someone that's been doing it maybe a little bit longer, um, speak to that a little bit. And, and it's, there's like, it's not like you get to an end point where you know it all. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what has drawn me towards fly fishing so much is because there are so many levels and so many facets. You know, the moment you start to figure out how to cast, you're like, 
well, what, what is this uh, fly tying thing about, right? And then once you've you've dropped down into that realm, then you're like, well, like I, I could build my own rod too, mm. you know. So it's definitely been beneficial. So so coming out as a a former college athlete was really difficult. I had a very regimented schedule. You know, you had to be up by this time and you know practice a million hours a day. However you want to look at that, and so. I wasn't having a sport to excel in and and basketball is not really a lifetime sport, right? I mean, you can, but at some point your knees are just not going to do it for you. And so when I found fly fishing and looking at all, I call all my old guy friends, I call them my codgers, like they're my posse that they've been doing this for 50, 60 years. And that is crazy to me. And that's what I love about it is that even I've been able to teach them certain things too, which I never would have thought, you know, with this encyclopedic knowledge that they have, that I would be able to offer them anything, even because I almost felt guilty from taking, you know, sucking them dry of all their knowledge. But <laughs> I think, I think that's what I enjoy most about this is the the perpetual, the infinite game of it that you're never done. And there's always going to be something new, right? Like, Carp, I've been doing carp for quite a few years. Um, so whatever, I'm, I was ahead of the curve. I don't know, I was just dumb, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something new to challenge you, right? Like carp have really increased my accuracy in casting and they've taught me different ways to cast. And I've t- <laughs> there was a, a brief period of time where I thought I was going to be like a casting instructor. And the moment I learned that you're not allowed to teach style, I was like, I'm out, this is dumb because there are casts that we do to carp on the canal that is not anything you would ever teach anyone ever, right? Like I need to be able to flip it up high, pop my elbow out and flip my wrist to get it to curve up and around and in front of the fish so that when it drifts down, they don't see the line. Like that's, that's not going to, you know, no one's going to have taught you that. That's going to be something that you learned on your own trying on the water. Yeah. On the water, you know, trial by fire. So Sorry, I did cut us. <laughs> I took us off track. That's like, okay. I, carp, I like it. Carp for a second. <laughs> I, I love talking yeah. about carp because I believe you me. I I get how finicky those fish are and how selective and how hard they are to cast for. And it's, I'll be quite honest with you, it's something I have had very little success with uh, on a fly rod. Do you guys have much opportunity up there? I mean, you're in Huge. Canada, correct? Yeah, correct. So I'm in the uh, interior of uh, British Columbia, and we have all kinds oh, okay. of uh, large carp. Um, oh, really? and nobody fishes, I shouldn't say nobody, but literally nobody, right. fi- there's not a lot of people fish for carp because, you know, we, we have some pretty, pretty, uh, world-class fly fishing for trout, but right. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> once you get one run out of a carp, it's, mm-hmm. it, you're hooked. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, sure. it's such a cheaper way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you go out very often or um, for specifically? Yeah target carp or no uh, not not a lot specifically to be no, to be okay. perfectly honest yeah. in the summer it's nice because oh, you can put the shorts on the water's warm and and but it's so hard to sneak up on those guys yeah yep yeah. um is there something you either of you would like to see changed in the pastime of fly fishing is there anything you think we can maybe do a little better at yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts because i think i have um I think I have very, I might have a contrarian um, opinion maybe to you on this. So I want to see what you say first. Yeah, (laughs) let's go there. Um, Yeah, I I don't enjoy the fact that there are probably 60% of the fly fishing places that we walk into 
there, you know, it's hard to explain this to someone who's not a woman, but how you are perceived when you walk into a fly fishing shop as a woman, like it gets a little rough. Um, I also, I would say the other part of it is that, so do I want to see more women in the sport? I don't really care. I just want the people who are in the sport to be a little more inclusive and, and I'm not just there to look cute in the Orvis clothes. Like I fish, I like actually really fish and I actually really love it. And I actually really can talk shop with you. You don't have to walk away from me just because I walked into the clothing section. Like it's, I would say there's that. What do you think? Yeah, I I have similar opinions. Um, I've not ever really, so when the whole 50-50 on the water thing came out, I was kind of like, ah, geez. Um, Again, I want as many people kind of like to Elena's point, as many people who are going to be good stewards of the sport to, to be involved. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care, you know, how you live your life. Um, I've been instructed by men and women in the past. So mm-hmm. I, I have never been intimidated by being taught by a man. Um, so that's just something I guess that I have on my side. I know that a lot of people, men or women, you know, do have that issue. Um, yeah, I just want, I just want good stewards. I, I guess I did. I've never really had the issue of going into a fly shop or maybe I'm just totally naive to it because I'm just like, all right, whatever, this guy's having a bad day. Like, I don't care. I'm still going to ask my question. I, I mean, I will say that when I, when I worked in the fly air quotes, fly shop for the, for the brief, you know, time that I did is that, yeah, no, they definitely didn't trust that I had the information. So I would, I would tell them exactly where to go, what fly to use. And they would just kind of be like, okay. And they would walk over to one of the guys that work there. That part got annoying. I think it's the the lack of respect for the, the knowledge you do bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But I think for every jerk, I think there's, you know, yeah. tenfold better yes. people, right? Yes. You know, it's the one, the one bad apple is going to ruin the bunch. So yeah. there, there's inclusivity, but it's, it's just, I think it's more about finding good people as opposed to like have exactly 50% of the females and 50% of the men yeah. out there. You know, yeah. I don't, no. I don't ascribe to that. I don't feel that I ever have. So, okay. Oh yeah. I got something else. Oh, she has something else. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. I, we love watching fly fishing videos. They're all over like Amazon and Netflix and everywhere. And like yeah. our happy place is sitting on our couch. And if we're not on the water is sitting on the couch watching these videos. Right. And it's always fun when there's women because that's actually kind of rare. And it's really cool to see like the real legit professional women out there tearing it up. That's awesome. What gets me is when you have both men and women in the show and the men are wearing like the fly fishing pants and the fly fishing shirt and the buff and the hat and like pretty much every piece of skin is covered. And then you have the woman in a string bikini. (laughs) and I'm like so she just gets skin cancer everyone's okay with that (laughs) and it's the same kind of thing but I mean it absolutely mirrors society like if you watch any of the talking head news shows the men are in button-up shirts and ties and jackets and the women are in a dress that barely covers things like are they in the same climate because it doesn't look like they are those those tv lights are hot (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, you said something earlier that that made me think too. You said um, when 
when you're in that room with all these fly fishers, these are my people. And, and I know exactly what you mean by that. Because anytime I pick up the phone or pick up Skype to call anybody to come on this podcast, I'm always amazed at how open and sharing. And I always feel like yeah. these, these are the people I want to talk to. You know, it's, it's, um, I, I think it runs pretty deep in the, in the pastime for sure. I agree. It really does seem to attract attract people that just want to share knowledge and absorb knowledge and just have a great time. And there's very rarely any ego there, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, 100%. So I'm sorry. There was one thing I wanted to ask both of you, and that is to, I always like to ask uh, my guests to put on their artist hat and paint a picture kind of your perfect day. If you could have your day, your way on the water, what does that look like? And kind of walk us through that. Hmm. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Oh, fine. Uh, this is any, any location or just, just the general, this, the idea. Of... This is your dream. So let's, let's paint it. Okay. My dream, I shall paint. Uh, my palette is, <laughs> um, I think it, it definitely would be up at least very, I'm I'm very much a sun up person. I like to be on the water before the sun is up. You know, like that just very early, early morning light. And a lot of people up there don't get up that early. They just come down when the sun comes down. It's I mean, the, the canyon walls are hundreds of feet tall and, and it makes sense. They're cold. Boo-hoo. Um, but there's something about that that time of morning when you're alone and you know that no one else has even given being awake a second thought and just drifting those flies in that water. And there's just this slightly salty, briny nature to the ferry. Um, it's a, it's a tailwater. It's just, it's just waft like this aroma wafts over you. And as, as the, the day goes on and the, the flows are changed, just realizing and feeling the pull of the water on your legs and knowing that there's animals, there's, there's, living creatures in the water like that are surviving this and you're over there freezing your butt off (laughs) but just to look up at the vistas and just this vibrant red orange just stark contrast to the the blue bird sky that's out there too and it's it's so free at night too of any light pollution so it's an amazing stargazing time but just just to be able to maybe throw a streamer through there too and Browns there are about one in a, I'll say one in a million, but that's, that's not true. People have been catching them there more often, but I would, I very much want to catch a brown out of Lee's Ferry. So even if it was just, I had that morning and I caught only that brown, that would be just an absolutely wonderful day for me. Mm-hmm. Mm, sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Take me there, man. Um, I would say for me, I have, I have a dream. I have a very specific dream. Um, I know, right? Back in 2017, over the New Year's time, I went to Argentina, to Patagonia, to fly fish. And it was the most incredible fishing experience. And I mean, I could go on and on about the land and the guides and the place that we stayed and the fish. The fish were incredible. It was an amazing, life-changing experience. And it was at it was during that week that I realized, one, fly fishing is now in my blood and it's absolutely part of my life and it's what I want to do. And this experience would have been so much better if Kristen was with me 
Hmm. And that was a huge turning point for me to realize it's time to shift where I'm going. It's time to shift the momentum of my life and, and it's time to grab what I really want. Hmm. So, yeah, I would say to experience Patagonia with Kristen would be absolutely a dream. Yeah. Good stuff. Hmm. Good stuff. You know, I want to thank both of you so much for coming on, on the program, but before we, uh, I want to get all your information out there. Um, Elena, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about your your uh, your speaking that you do, your organizational training, uh, your mindfulness teaching. How, how do people get a hold of you and look you up? Uh, it's Elena Joy Experience. So that's my website, elenajoyexperience.com. That's my Instagram, which is where I post when we go out on weekends and such fishing. I, I put a lot of stories on there. My audience is really like, Okay, so you're a gay mom who loves to fly fish. <laughs> like, they really try to work that out. Um, so yeah, that's you can find me all over the place. Elena Joy Experience. Good stuff. And and Kristen, anything else? Anything you want to get out there? Um, any Instagram fish pictures we should be looking up online? I mean, yes, I love fish pictures. Um, they can find me um, at. Insomnia, so it's like insomnia with an F. I like totally invented a word a couple years ago. <laughs> you know, like how you uh, the night before like a big trip, you can't sleep and you're having like fish dreams. Ah. Yeah, that's that's finsomnia. So yeah, it is. So that's where that's where everybody can find me. So hit me up. Yeah, let's go fishing. Fin- too. Let's go fishing. I, yeah, I like that finsomnia. Thanks so much, ladies, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I love your your honesty, your openness, and uh, well, hopefully we'll see you out in the water soon. Yeah, Amen. absolutely. Yeah, Mark, anytime you want to come down to Arizona, we got a spot for you, for reals. Cheers. You've been listening to a chat today with Elena Joy Thurston and Kristen Kyle. Thanks so much for coming on. We're going to offer you a little incentive to get some of your questions answered on the podcast. Simply email me a question you would like to know about fly fishing, anything that's on your mind. Uh, email it to mark at flyfishing97.com. And Nate and the good folks at the Fly Crate are going to offer you a $10 credit at the Fly Crate. So again, so email your questions to mark at flyfishing97.com. And if we use your question on the air, you'll get 10 bucks off. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.